attend our church. Amen. Well, let's get in the word tonight. Amen. Uh, we're going to continue talking about kingdom authority, the authority of the believer. And um, so I want you to be perked up. I want you to be excited. I want you to be happy. I want you to have your hearts prepared. If you need coffee, we have it next door. Go drink a lot of it and then come back in here and get ready to hear the word. Amen. Because we got to have our hearts prepared for this stuff. This is spiritually discerned, not naturally discerned. If you're trying to understand this stuff with your head and, and you know, I don't care how well you did in school, um, you're going to be in a totally different ball game because the word of God is not naturally discerned. I don't care how many letters you have after your name, if you're a doctor or bachelor's or associates or whatever, or if you're just, hey, I just finished high school and got out like I did. Um, you don't need the greatest head knowledge. And if you're just trying to get this with your head and just trying to gain some information, um, uh, then, then you're not going to get anything. See, the problem that happened when Adam and Eve sinned is they went from revelation to information. And everything that God had told them up to then was revelation. And then after they sinned, all of a sudden it became just mere information. It never got into their hearts. It never got into their spirit, man. It just got to their heads, and your head can't get wrapped around this stuff anyways, much less try to obey it. So we've, it's got to be a heart thing, amen? It's got to get in your spirit. So, Father, we thank you tonight that we have our hearts prepared, our minds are open. But, Father, we thank you that this word is being planted in our spirit, in our hearts. And so we get rid of all confusion. We get rid of all distractions. We cast our cares upon you. Whatever may have been going on this week or even today, Father, whatever we may have coming up in the rest of the week, Father, we lay all that down right now so that our hearts and our minds, our ears, our eyes can be ready to receive, understand, accept the word that's going forth tonight. I thank you that it will be implanted in our hearts that it will bear fruit, it will take root within us, that we, will, uh, we won't just receive it with joy and, and walk away and have it cut away from us, Father, but we'll receive it from, with joy tonight. We'll continue to meditate on it, chew on it, keep it in front of us, listen to it again, read the verses again, get the notes in front of us again, and so that way it will bear fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Sometimes you've got to ask God to help you. I know I do. There's all kinds of things that want to try to distract you from what's going on. Because I'm going to tell you right now, um, the devil doesn't want you to hear this stuff. And um, it's kind of sad to say, but it's not that way with every church. There are some churches out there that the devil doesn't care what they're preaching. If you go to Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the sower, he says in there, right before he starts explaining it, he says... The enemy comes to steal the word that was sown. But it's not just any word. It's the gospel of the kingdom. And that's what we're preaching. That's what we're proclaiming. There's other churches out there. The devil is excited that those pastors are preaching that stuff. The devil is elated. He's saying, keep on. Keep preaching it. Keep them in the dark. Keep them from knowing who they are. Keep them from finding out what they really have at their disposal. But the stuff I'm telling you right now, why do you think this room looks like the way it is right now? Because the enemy has distracted. The enemy has brought stuff up. Maybe 6 o'clock, maybe 5 o'clock, maybe earlier today, maybe earlier in the week. And stuff is keeping people from being here right now. Because 
the enemy does not want you to hear what I'm telling you. And you're going to find out tonight why. The title of my message tonight is Your Position, Your Protection. Your Position, Your Protection. We've been talking about the authority of the believer. And most Christians do not associate the lifestyle of Christianity, the lifestyle of accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, with authority. This is a newfound term. How many of you ever uh, uh, aligned your lives with authority before? When you got saved, you thought, man, I got all kinds of authority. I got all kinds of, I'm in control now. Did anybody think that? Most of us didn't. I know it took me a long time, and I was raised in some good churches. I heard some good word. But it took me a while to come to find out I'm in control. Because I, we've been hearing since the day we got saved, God's in control. Everything works out. All the promises of God are yes and amen. It'll work out in the end. And so we're just trying to endure to the end. But Romans chapter 5 verse 17 has been hidden from us. It's been in the dark. And that's where I want to start, as we have been the past couple of weeks. It says that we have been qualified if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, through Adam and Eve for sinning. Death reigned much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Qualifiers, abundance of grace, gift of righteousness. Well, if you have been saved... The Bible says you've been saved uh, by grace. So you've received the abundance of grace. The gift of righteousness, what's that? That means the gift of being in right standing with the heavenly father, with the king of kings, with the Lord of lords. Well, when Jesus died, he made you righteous so that you can be in that position where you can operate in everything he has for you. That's how God sees you. God doesn't see you as a beat down sinner, sorry dog that keeps messing up and can't get anything right. He doesn't see you that way. And we talked about that. Actually, it's what got us started in this whole thing was uh, position versus perception. Remember, we talked about that. And we said, most of us do not see ourselves the way God sees us. We got to get a bird's eye view. We got to get a God's eye view of what he sees, who he sees. He doesn't see you as a sinner that just keeps messing up day after day after day. He sees you as someone that has been made righteous, someone that has been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Your sins have been forgiven you. They've been cast away as far as the east is from the west. They've been thrown into the sea. The stuff you keep bringing up to God, he's saying, I don't even know what you're talking about. Okay, that's how God sees us. So that we have received the abundance of grace. And the gift of righteousness. It says that we will reign in life. The Amplified Version says you will rule as kings in this life. Rule as kings. And so again, most of us as, as believers, as Christians, we don't, we don't associate our lives with control, with authority, with dominion, with power. We don't see it that way. A lot of us even, uh, we live this Christian life and we still feel like we're under Satan's control. Like we still feel we're still under Satan's dominion. I can't seem to break loose from this thing. This, this depression is just wearing on me. This uh, sin is just breaking me down. This and that and, and everything that we lived with before. Seems like it's still going on in our lives. And so we don't equate ourselves with reigning in life. We equate ourselves with barely making it through life. 
enduring through life. And the Bible talks about enduring, but the enduring is on top as a winner, not as a loser. See, in a football game, basketball, baseball game, both teams endure to the end. But one wins and one loses. Which one are you? You're enduring, but are you enduring to lose? Are you enduring to just survive? Or are you enduring to win and overcome, to reign in life? So we've been called to reign in life. Well, this uh, requires some things. We, the first two things we saw was if you are going to rule or reign, there's two things that are required. One, you have to be authorized. You have to, somebody has to give you authority. You, you, you can't just walk around and say, I am the president. doesn't work that way. Somebody had to put you there. You can't just say, I am the king over this territory. Someone had to place you there. Someone had to give you the authority. Okay, so you have to be authorized to rule or to reign. Second thing you have to have, it's not one or the other. You have to have both. The second thing, you have to have territory. You have to have a domain. That's where, the, that's where we get the word dominion. It's control over a territory. You can't say, I rule, I reign, I'm a king, and then not have anything you rule over. Okay, you got to have a territory. So we went all the way back, and we saw that God, when he originally created Adam and Eve, he told them in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, to rule, have control, have dominion in the earth. Well, how are they supposed to do that? They were created in God's image. We'd all agree, if I asked you to raise your hand, we would all agree that God is a king. Nobody can refute that. The Bible talks about it. So he made you in his image as kings. See, that's why it, the Bible calls him king of kings. We're kings. You and I, we're kings and queens on this earth. And he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. That was God's original intent. For some reason, we've determined that since, man, that since, since Adam and Eve sinned, that God changed his mind because Adam and Eve weren't looking for heaven. They weren't roaming around on the earth trying to figure out how they're going to get out of the earth. They were trying to take care of the earth. They were trying to control the earth. They were trying to have dominion over the earth. If Adam and Eve had never sinned, where would they be today? Here on the earth, taking care of the earth, doing what they're supposed to do. But for some reason, we think God changed his mind after all that and said, you know what? Forget earth, forget that little project, let's get them all back to heaven, we'll just hang out up here and have a good old time. That's what we think. So we went through the Bible, we went through the Old Testament, saw that God was always trying to raise up a nation. He raised, he's trying to raise up a nation with Noah, trying to raise up a nation with Moses, trying to uh, get his people out of a land of bondage and conflict and, and control and get them to a promised land that was given to them a very long time ago trying to get them a place where they can control, where they can have dominion, where they can be in charge. But, pe the, but God's people, Israel, kept falling away from him. They got surrounded by things and became what was around them rather than changing what was around them. Okay? And so we see that Jesus comes because God, the only way that he can redeem man is by using someone in a flesh form. But we got a problem because nobody in flesh can do that. Everyone born in flesh is now automatically born into sin. God is the only one who can redeem mankind, but was the only one who couldn't redeem mankind. And he couldn't send an angel, couldn't send a spirit, 
because you have to have flesh, okay? So he said, well, I'll fix that. I will make myself flesh, and I'll put it in the earth, and I'll redeem mankind. So he sent his son Jesus. He dies on the cross, but he didn't die on a cross to get us to heaven. He died on a cross to get the kingdom here. Religion tries to get man to heaven, but the kingdom gets heaven on the earth, gets the heaven in man. Okay, so Jesus went around everywhere preaching the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like this, and the kingdom of God is like that. His first words when he ministered was, repent for the kingdom of God is near, is at hand, which means near you, close to you, within arm's reach. He said it's right there at your fingertips. He's talking about the kingdom of God. He never preached about being born again. He never preached about going to heaven. He never preached about that. He preached about the kingdom. And he talked about getting the kingdom here. Even when he taught his disciples the Lord's Prayer, he said, pray this way. Uh, Our Heavenly Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. What's going on in the heavenlies needs to take place here on the earth. And so he redeemed mankind. And last week we saw that when Jesus went and ascended, I'm getting us caught up. When Jesus went and ascended to heaven, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. What does that mean? That is a position of authority. In fact, the right hand position was a position of equal authority to the king himself. Equal authority. The only one above the one at the right hand is the king himself. And the Bible says that everything, everything, Everything that is named was placed under Jesus' feet. And we wouldn't refute that. The problem we have an issue with is if we continue reading and we find out that Jesus made us alive together with him and we are seated together with him. We've been raised up together with him in heavenly places. What do you mean I'm in heavenly places? I'm still bound by sickness. My my finances are still in a mess. I can't seem to get out of this depression. You're raised up above all that. Everything that is named, does cancer have a name? Does poverty have a name? Does depression have a name? Does fear have a name? You've been raised up above all that. That means it's under your feet. What does that mean? That means it shouldn't control you. You should control it. We're, we're now the dictators. We're now the ones in authority. We're now the ones governing and controlling. So this leads me to today, and I really wanted to title this message, but I wanted to title the message, but. Because when we say that, most Christians go, but, Pastor Mark, but what about, but I, I'm still, but I feel this, and I see this, and this is happening. So I want to talk about your position, your protection. How do you stay in that authority? How do you operate in that authority? And why are so many Christians feeling like they're not in control? Why do they feel like things are just happening to them, and they have no control over it? Well, the money didn't come in to pay the bills this month. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do about that. Man, this sickness, I just can't seem to get it off of me. It's just 
man, it's just covering me. I mean, it's just, I've gone to the doctor three times. They can't do anything about it. By the way, you've gone to the doctor three times because they gear you that way to go back and to go back and to go back. Very, very rare that I've gone to a doctor and they haven't said, all right, we'll see you back in two weeks. Come back in 30 days. It's not very often that that happens. That's how they work. That's how they make their money. And they give you a prescription that has more side effects along with it. So we've got Christians that aren't getting their problems fixed. They're not getting answers. They're not in control. Although they should be, according to the word of God. We've seen that. And if you still need to see that again, go listen to last week's message again. Go listen to it. We are seated at the right hand father, right hand of the Father with Jesus in heavenly places. Nothing should control you. Nothing. We've seen that. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus told Peter, Upon this rock I will build my church. Gates of hell will not prevail against it. It seems like gates of hell are prevailing a lot of, against a lot of Christians. Seems like the gates of hell are winning. Why is that? Go to John chapter 10. He gave us the keys to the kingdom. He said, I give unto you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. What's he saying? Keys denote authority. He's saying to the church. This isn't just anybody. To the church. I'm giving you the keys. I'm giving you the authority of the kingdom of heaven. And you bind. You control. You loose. You cause things to happen. You cause things to take place. Lexi, can you have a seat for me, please? Thank you. We're in control. We're in charge. Okay? So John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief does not come except, watch this, to steal and to kill and to destroy. I want to stop right there. The thief, this is Satan, the enemy, the devil, comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. He doesn't do just one of three. He doesn't go into your life and say, I think I'm just going to steal. No, he goes in to steal. He goes in to kill. And he goes in to destroy every time. That's his job. That's his assignment. That is what he has come down here to do. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. There is an enemy out there. We've said this before, that God has never been concerned with the enemy. The snake was in the garden the whole time, and God never once warned Adam or Eve about the snake. Never let them know, hey, there's a snake in the garden. Never let them know that. Never told them that. The thief wasn't the problem. The enemy wasn't the problem. The snake wasn't the problem. And the same thing that Adam and Eve dealt with, we deal with today. See, the devil, he's cunning and he's tricky, but he's also very stupid. And he hasn't changed his game plan at all. And if we could just look at the word, we could see that repeatedly, repeatedly, over and over and over. He's been doing the same thing, and he's still doing the same thing today. Let me ask you a question. Chuck, you have keys to your house, right? You have a deadbolt on your front door. Who has keys to your house? Your son, you, and your wife. And that's it. On the face of this planet, that's it. 
So who's authorized to go into that house? Those three people. Why? Because they have the key to the house. Anybody else that goes in without using the key is an unauthorized individual, and they are there to steal. They are there to take something that doesn't belong to them. It is breaking and entering. You are in a place that you have not been given authorization. Now, if Chuck were to give someone his key and say, hey, could you run by the house and, and get this? I, I, I left it at the house. Could you, do you mind just rubbing it, running in there? I, I left it right on the table by the door. Just go grab that. He's now given authorization. So he can't come back later and, and say, this guy entered my house and, and he, he, he stole my stuff. Well, how'd you get in? Well, I gave him my key. You authorized him by giving the key. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Go ahead and turn there. We've gone there before. But we got to see something here. Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. The first thing you have to understand about authority, remember we said if you are going to reign or if you're going to rule in life, first you have to be authorized. The first thing you have to understand about authority is you can only be authorized by someone who is in authority. I'll say that again. You can only be authorized by someone who is in authority. You can't Chuck can't come up to me one day after church and say, you know what, Pastor Mark, I think you'd make a really good president of the United States. I'm going to swear you in right now. Let's go. I I want you to be the president of the United States of America. Thank you, Chuck. I appreciate that. But you can't do that. You don't have the authority to do so. You don't have the authority to swear me in in that office. You don't have the authority. You can't be authorized. Uh, uh, you, you know, you, you can't be on the job and have a coworker come to you and say, you know what, I think you'd make a better boss than, you know, that crazy guy over there. So, you know what, you're in charge today. You're in charge of this place. You know, we're, we're just tired of them. Even if you got all the coworkers together and they, they can't come up to you and say, we all voted you in, uh, you're the boss. We're just tired of this person. We want you to. Can't do it. You have to be authorized by someone who has the authority to do that. Well, God is a king. God is a king in heaven. He is in a position of authority, so he can therefore give authority. And that's exactly what he did, is he authorized man. God, being a king, was in a position of authority 
and chose Adam to rule and control and have dominion on the earth. And he could do that. You have to be, you cannot be empowered by someone who's not empowered. You cannot be empowered by someone who's not empowered. You must be in power to empower someone else. Okay? So let's go over to Genesis chapter 3. Now we have man who is in control on the earth. If you want to take over something, who are you going to go after? You're going to find people that are in control. You're going to find the person who has the authority to put you in that position. Be like some of those people at work that maybe try to turn it on, turn it on a little extra, go the extra mile for the boss. Not for the coworker because the coworker can't do anything for him. But when the boss shows up, now we're standing up a little bit straighter and yes sir, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll be, I'm right on it. I'll take care of it. Whereas any other time, they're just sitting on their rear doing nothing. Why? Because they realize that person has potential and the ability to do something with where I'm at today. Well, that's what Satan did. Remember, man, Adam and Eve were created in God's image. Look just like God. So this snake slithering around in the garden, sees two people that look just like the one he was trying to take over. Remember, he's in heaven. He's an angel. He's an angel of light. But he got a little prideful, got a lot prideful, and tried to say, I'm above God. I'm greater than God himself. I can do this thing. And he got cast down to the earth, but now he's in the earth realm. And God places people on the earth that look just like himself. So now Satan, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, comes into contact with one of those people that looks just like the very one he was trying to take over in the beginning. Verse 1, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Right here, the snake is a beast of the field. And if we go back to Genesis 1, verse 28, it says, There be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth to do it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So does the snake qualify for something that is under Adam and Eve's control? Yes or no? Yes, absolutely. And he said to the woman, verse 1, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? He's questioning authority. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. We had a communication hiccup. Adam was the only one given the instruction, and he failed to get the information to his wife. Still happens today, just to let you know. Okay. Verse 4, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew 
that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. So real quick, here we, here's what we have. We have two people that are in control on the earth. They have dominion. They have authority. They've been authorized and they've been given a territory. They are ruling in life. In this life. Adam and Eve are Romans 5, 17. They are ruling in this life because they have been authorized by a king who has the authority to give power. And they have been given a territory, a specific domain, the earth. Have control over all of it. Have control over the stuff that's on it. Have control over the stuff that moves on it. All of it. You're in control. And so the snake here sees the serpent, the devil, Satan himself, sees that these two people have what he's been trying to get. Control. Authority. That's why we're talking about authority. Why is it that we have believers, Christians, that aren't walking in this authority, walking in this power? Remember that Adam and Eve are people who are in authority and in control. And we just made a statement that said you have to be in a position of authority to give away that authority. And you can only give the authority to your domain. I mean, the President of the United States can't give control to just anybody in England. That's not his territory. That's not his domain. Adam and Eve couldn't give away control or authority to heaven because God was still king in heaven. But they could hand over everything that they had in the earth because that was their domain. You staying with me? So watch what happens here. Verse 8, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord and uh, from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. By sinning, actually I should put it this way, by disobeying God, Adam and Eve have sinned against God himself. That's all that sin is. It's disobedience against the king. It's disobedience against the authority that's above you. Now here's what happened. Satan did not steal the authority over the earth. It was given to him. It was handed over. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they instantly gave up their right to control and authority in the earth. Remember, you have to be in a position of authority to get a, to empower or give someone else's authority. Adam and Eve were in that position. That was a risk that God took because God gave man the most powerful thing on the face of the planet and that was the power to choose. A will. 
want to whet your appetite real quick for Sunday. There's two things that makes us different from everything else on the face of this planet. Two things. One, you have a spirit. Two, you can speak. Words. Get excited. I know it's only Wednesday, but get excited because that's what makes you different is you have a spirit being and you are able to speak words. Trees can't talk. Animals can't talk. Animals can mimic, but they can't talk. Some animals can't mimic. Not even all of them can do that. We're the only ones on the face of the planet that can speak words and that have spirit beings that are three-part beings, okay? So anyways, so the snake, the serpent, sees Adam and Eve. They look just like God. They've got authority. They've got what I'm after. And he didn't even have to steal it from them. Because here's the thing. You can't steal someone's authority. The authority is in the identity. You might be able to trick the president of the United States into thinking he's not the president, but you can't remove him from authority. You cannot steal authority. You cannot go and take it. You can't steal it. So what is he trying to steal? What is he trying to kill? And what is he trying to destroy? Why do we have so many Christians that don't seem like they're in control? Why do we have so many believers that seem like they are bound and dominated by life's circumstances and situations that come on a daily basis? You can't, you cannot steal someone's authority. It's tied to who they are. The only way, you can't steal authority. You can just simply remove them from authority. But the greatest way to get someone's authority is to get them to hand it over to you. And that's exactly how the enemy works. He has used the same trick to this day. He can't steal your authority. He can't steal who Christ has made you. He can't steal what Jesus did on the cross and how he's redeemed you. And you have no excuse. You will not be able to get to the end and say, well, the devil took my authority. I, I didn't have any control over him. You cannot do it. That's why Adam and that's why God was going to Adam and even asking these questions. What happened? How did you figure this out? What is this that you have done? He looked, at, he looked at Eve and he said, what is this that you have done? No one can take away your authority. Guys, nobody can take away your authority in your house. They can't. Your wives can't take it from you. That's your position. That's who you are is the head of the house, the highest authority in that house. 
No one can come. They better not be able to come up in your house and push you around and say, this is my house. I'm going to do what I want with it. I'm going to tell your kid what to do. I'm going to tell your wife what to do. No, you're in authority. And all they can do is try to trick you or try to make you think you're not that person, but they can't steal your authority. Go out and try to, try to, take, try to steal a policeman's authority. If it could be stolen, we'd have people stealing policemen's authority all the time. We have people trying to go up to the White House right now trying to take his authority. You cannot steal somebody's authority. You can trick them. But the greatest way to give up your authority is to just simply hand it over. And that's exactly what Adam and Eve did here. And we know this. And so we've, we've gone through this and we've, we've seen that Adam and Eve... When they sinned, they lost their authority, but it wasn't stolen. It was handed over. Adam and Eve took their authority and said, by submitting to you, by obeying what you tell us to do versus what God has told us to do, here you go. Here's the earth and everything in it. You control it all. So who did Jesus say is the God of this world? Satan. Satan is the God of this world. Not because he stole it from Adam and Eve. Because it's handed to him. On a silver platter, here you go. Here's the control. Here's your chance to bring tornadoes. Here's your chance to bring hurricanes. Here's your chance to bring death. Here's your chance to bring destruction. Here's your chance to bring uh, 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 homosexuality and, and abortion and illegal drug use and murder and lying and cheating. Here's your chance to cause animals to go after each other and kill each other. Here's your chance for uh, mother to turn against daughter and father to turn against son. Here's your access. Because Adam and Eve were in a position where they could hand that over. They were in authority and gave it away. It was not stolen. But thank God, Romans chapter 16, verse 20. Romans chapter 16, verse 20 says, And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Now, Again, I cannot read this in the English language because it doesn't translate right. If we read it like that, we're all thinking, okay, well, one day God's going to crush Satan under our feet. Right? Is that not how we would read that? With that word shortly on the end. Soon. Right? Well, the word crush, that means to smash. That means to shatter. That means to destroy. So the God of peace will crush, will destroy, will shatter will bruise. This is the same word that he told the devil. He said, uh, uh, you will bruise uh, his heel, but he will crush your head. But that word shortly does not mean soon. That doesn't mean one day. That word shortly is the word swiftly, quickly. That means God is quickly taking care of his enemies. 
He is quickly taking care of the deceiver. He is quickly moving to take care of you and I so that the, the enemy can be crushed. And we know that by what Jesus Christ did on the cross, he didn't just die on the cross to get us to heaven and forget about Satan. He took care of Satan. Watch this in Colossians chapter 2. I love this passage. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. I know we watch a lot of movies about Jesus dying on the cross, and we see him as just a nice, peaceful man, you know, never really gets angry unless he's flipping over tables and, you know, beating people with whips and stuff. But for the most part, he's a nice, kind guy, gentle, caring, picking up sheep and petting them and, and, and feeding poor people and, 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 and uh, taking children into his lap and saying, if you're not like one of these, you'll never see the kingdom. And just a nice, calm guy. But he knows how to win. And if he was playing football, he'd be one of those that would get flagged for extra celebration in the end zone. Watch what this says. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him. Together. Together. Made you alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Watch this in 15. Having disarmed principalities and powers. See, there are principalities and powers. There are others, uh, other controls out there. There are other authorities. The, the enemy, Satan, he still has an authority, but... He has disarmed it. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing, triumphing over them in it. That means he took Satan and he posted him up for the entire world to see. And he said, look what I have done. I have stripped him of all authority. I have stripped him of all power. I have stripped him of everything that he has to control anybody. So watch this in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All, everybody say all. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Watch this. If Jesus has all authority, Satan has no authority. You just saw in Colossians that he has been disarmed. He has been stripped. He's been whipped. He's been defeated. He is done. He's over. He has no control. He has no uh, authority. He has no more authorization over you and I. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. All authority has been given to me. Well, then why do bad things still happen? We're getting there. Why are Christians still having bad things happen to them? And why are they still bound? And it still seems like they're under control. And it still seems like, you know, this whole Christians having authority thing that's so foreign. Why is that? If Satan has no authority at all, 
Jesus has all authority. Satan has no authority. You need to say that on a daily basis. Jesus has all authority. Satan has no authority. You need to get that picture. We've made, the, we've made Satan out to be this big bad beast that comes in scaring people and frightening people and he can do whatever he wants with you and please hope that, let's hope that Satan never doesn't show up on our doorstep because, man, I, I don't know what I would do. He has no authority. That would be like someone trying to come up into Chuck's house trying to say something. Wait a minute, do you have the key? No, I don't think so. I have the key. My wife has the key. My son has the key. They're the only ones authorized in this territory, in this domain. So I don't know what you're doing up in here, but you got to go. It's that same picture. So we'll get back to Chuck and what he does when someone comes up in his house. But watch this. Remember we said that being in a position of authority empowers you to give authority to others. Because see, right now you might even be thinking, okay, if Jesus has all authority, then what are you talking about the believer's authority? If Jesus has the authority, how do I have authority? Mark chapter 16, verse 15. 16, verse 15, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow who? Those who believe. Those who believe. Do you believe? Okay. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Jesus here has done something awesome. Jesus said, right before he made this statement, he said, all authority has been given to me. That means Satan has no authority on heaven and on the earth. Heaven meaning skies, not heaven. Again, we got to translate these things out. When he says, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth, he's not saying, I control God. Obviously, Jesus is God, but Jesus the Son does not control God the Father. He's seated at the right hand. Now watch this. Jesus is in authority. Jesus is in control on heaven and on earth. Being in authority gives you the uh, ability to empower others to have authority. That is called delegated authority. Delegated authority. Delegated authority. Right now, in countries all over the world, we have people that are called ambassadors for the United States of America. They are in those countries representing the United States. They are not bound by their laws. They're not bound by their restrictions. 
They don't even live on that country's soil because the houses they live in and the property that they live on is United States soil. We have Chinese embassies in our country. We have British embassies in this country. And that's not considered United States soil. It's considered of the country that they're from. And those ambassadors have full authority. And it's delegated by the one who is in authority, the President of the United States of America. And they don't have to run and find out, well, I don't know what the president would say about that. No, when they speak, it's as if the president is speaking. When they talk, it's as if the president is right there on the scene talking. It's delegated authority. When you are given delegated authority, you have the full backing of the, of the higher authority that has sent you. That means when you open your mouth, it's as if Jesus is opening his mouth. When you show up on the scene, it's as if Jesus has just shown up on the scene. Why? Because Jesus, in a position of authority, has delegated that authority and authorized you. That he basically did what God did in Genesis 1.26. And you're now back in a position of authority. And you don't have to question it because the one who gave you the authority was in the position to be able to give the authority away. Are we following this? Look, you are in authority because Jesus gave you the authority. He delegated the authority. And that's why Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 can say, we have been raised up together, made alive together, and we are seated together with him in heavenly places. And everything that is under Jesus' feet is under our feet. Everything he controls, we control. Everything he's in charge of, we're in charge of. Are we seeing that? Look, I know this is new. I know that this is kind of hard to get your brain around, but you have to. You have to understand your authority. You have to understand who you are in Christ. You have to understand what Jesus has given you. You have to understand what he has made available to you. You have to understand the resources that are at your disposal. You have to. So watch this. Here we go. 1 Peter chapter 5. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Sober means have self-control. If you're not sober, you don't have much self-control. Be vigilant. That means be watchful. Because your ad adversary, the devil, is walking around like a roaring lion. Look at this. He is not a roaring lion. He is not a roaring lion. He walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But watch this in verse 9. Resist him. You mean we can resist the devil? You mean I don't have to give in? Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. 
if you resist the devil, he has to go. Why can you resist him? Because you're in authority. You're in control. You have the power. You have the dominion. Resist him. Watch this in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. You mean we have weapons of warfare and we can pull down strongholds? There's a lot of Christians, if you ask them, do you feel like you have a stronghold in your life? Do you feel like there's something that's just blocking you, that just seems to be controlling you? And a lot of them would say yes. A lot of them would admit that. A lot of them would agree. Pulling down strongholds. Verse 5, casting down arguments. How do you get an argument? Because somebody brings up something that is in disagreement with what you're saying. And that's where you get arguments. You can't argue with someone if you both agree on the same thing. So when things start coming up that are contrary to the word, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to what? The obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. He's saying, how do you combat disobedience in your life? Obey. Obey. In fact, God said, if you love me, obey my commandments. You know, if you don't obey his commandments, you don't even love God. If you don't even do what his word says to do, then you don't even love him. It's the same way for those that bring discipline. If you don't discipline, that means you don't love the person that needs to be disciplined. The Bible says, God says in his own word, God shows his love to us by disciplining us, by chastising us. If you don't discipline, then you don't love the person. Parents, if you don't discipline your kids, then you don't love them. Period. The greatest form of showing love to your children is correcting them when they're wrong. Why do I have to say that? Because we're in a generation and a culture that says, let your kids do what they want. They'll learn as they go. We can't guard them from everything. Let the world teach them. Really, is that working out right now? Let the schools teach them. Is that really working out right now? Our high schools are teenage psych wards is what they are. What are they learning? What are they gaining? And I thank God that in our county, they still have somewhat of biblical principles and values and, and, and honor God. But in the United States and around the world, that is quickly dwindling away. Our teenagers and our children, they don't know anything about honor. They don't know anything about respect. And then we say things like, you can do whatever you want. You can be whoever you want to be. No, you cannot. You will fail at doing anything else except for what God has for your life. P 
period. Well, you know, he's got, a, he's got a good and acceptable and perfect will, as long as we get one of the three. No, those are all the same wills. My truck outside is big, and it's black, and it's fast. It's not one of the three. It's all three. God's will is good. God's will is acceptable. And God's will is perfect. And if you don't find out what that will is, you'll fail at everything else. And I don't care how successful you get to the world because you're going to stand before him one day and he's going to say, wow, look at all the money you made. Look at the businesses you had. Look at all the opportunities you had and you never did what I asked you to do. And so these are the things we tell our children. You just put your mind to it. You can be whatever you want to be. You better put your heart to what God's plan is and do what he's called you to do. But if we don't discipline... We don't love, and there's no other way around it. it. When you get discipline, that means someone's looking out for you. When you discipline your children, that means you're looking out for them. I love you, and I don't want to see you go down this path. I don't want to see you do this. And when God disciplines us, that means that he has our best interest at heart, and he loves us. And so he disciplines, he corrects his children. That's what the Bible says. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6, they tell us that there are strongholds, there are principalities, there are powers, there are rules, rulers out there other than God. But we have authority to cast them down, to bring them into subjection. How do we do that? You bring down disobedience by obeying. The greatest way to combat disobedience is by obeying. Go back to Adam and Eve. The greatest comeback that they could have had was, no, God told us not to eat of this tree. We can eat of every other tree, and that's what we'll do. Goodbye. Okay? James chapter 4, verse 7. James chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I want to show you something here. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. One version says, he will flee from you as in stark terror. That's scared, by the way. That's fearful. Sometimes we think that if the devil does flee us, he's just walking away. Okay, well, I'll get him next time. No, he's running the opposite direction in stark terror. But watch this. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Same position. It's not two separate things. How do you resist the devil? Submit to God. How do we resist the enemy? Submit to God. How do we resist and combat and bring down strongholds? How do we bring him captive? How do we bring him into subjection? How do we walk in our authority over the enemy? Obey God. It's that simple. Here's what happens when you disobey. Remember I said at the very beginning, 
that the enemy has not changed his game plan. What he's still trying to do today is when he sees you, and when he sees you, and when he sees you, and when he sees you, he sees God. He sees someone in authority. I've said it before that our enemy knows more about us than we do ourselves. That's why he's tripping up believers. That's why he's tripping up Christians. That's why I said that the enemy does not want me saying what I'm saying right now. Surprised my microphone's even going. Surprised the CD player hasn't broke down. Surprised the power hasn't gone out. But this is not what the enemy wants you to hear. Because he knows if you hear this, he'll never have another foothold in your life. He'll never have access. If Chuck has the keys to his house, the only way someone else can have authorization in his home is if he gives up the key. Now, this might sound hard, and I don't mean it to sound hard, but it's just the truth. The only reason we lose in life is because we give Satan control. Every time. Yes, he's a big, bad, mean guy. Yes, he has come to kill and to steal and to destroy. But I have outlined for you over the last two services now that you're in control. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Now I give it to you. That means Satan has no authority, no control. No dominion. Well, the devil's just been beating my brains out for 45 years. The devil's been kicking my hind end. The devil's been whooping up on me. He doesn't have the authority to do that if you stand up to him and say, you're not in control, I'm in control, you have to go because I'm submitted to my father. So how do we give authority? How are we giving our keys away? By disobeying God and by obeying him. If, if being submitted to God is resisting the devil, then disobeying God is being subjected to the devil. The key to your authority is remaining under God's authority. See, your authority in the earth is directly tied to your submission to God's word. You've heard me say it before. You don't have authority if you can't remain under his authority. Ask any military guy. Ask them how long they would remain in authority if they didn't submit to the authority over them. Not long. We're not operating in control. We're not operating in dominion. We're not operating in this power because we're not submitted to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're not obeying him. We're not giving when he tells us to give. 
We're not going and doing this when he tells us to go and do this. We're moved by so many natural distractions that the enemy lays out as traps because he is tricky. He is cunning. He went to Jesus and was tempted, and Jesus uh, was tempted of him for 40 days and 40 nights. We only see three, but there was way more than three. But the whole thing was to get Jesus to submit himself to him instead of to his father. Hey, Jesus, you hungry? Hey, I'll turn that rock into bread for you. Go ahead. What's that say? Satan is now my provider. He's my sustainer. See, some of us haven't been submitted to God as our provider, and we've been putting more trust and more faith in our jobs and our vocations and our paychecks every other week and the bosses that are over us instead of giving full trust and fully uh, relying on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to be our sustainer. It's so funny how the devil works. He really is this tricky. He looks at Jesus, who, by the way, has all authority. And he looks at him and says, look out over all those kingdoms. Takes him up on a high mountain. Look at all those kingdoms. You can have every one of them if you bow down and worship me. I'll give you control and authority over all of them. You've got to be pretty stupid to look at the one who has all the authority and say, I'll give you authority. Jesus didn't fall for it, thank God. It didn't end there. He went all the way to the Garden of Gethsemane the night he was going to be arrested. And what does Jesus say? Not my will, but yours. What's he saying? He's saying, if I submit to you, I win. If I submit to the devil, I lose. Because this whole thing, laying out the way it's supposed to lay out, relies on me submitting to you as my father, to you as my king, to you as my authority. If I give in to the enemy, he gets control, he gets dominion, he gets power. Romans chapter 13, verse 14, we'll close with these two verses. Romans 13, 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. He's saying, don't even give yourself the opportunity to give in to the enemy. The Bible said in Genesis chapter 3 that when Eve saw, why did she keep looking at it? You know you don't need to eat that piece of cake before you go to bed. Quit looking at it. You know you don't need to spend your money on that. Quit looking at it. You know you don't need to uh, give in to that doctor's report. Quit looking at it. Don't make provision for the flesh. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 27. Ephesians 4 verse 27 says, nor give place to the devil. That means you can give place to the devil. In fact, the only way he has place is if you give it. 
Notice all these verses put the responsibility on us, not on Jesus. See, if you're saying, Jesus, save me, Jesus, help me, Jesus, get me out of this, Jesus, get rid of this devil. There was a story one time that Brother Hagin told Kenneth Hagin, and he had all kinds of visions and dreams and, and had all kinds of things. But he had this one vision where Jesus came down and talked to him. He talked to Jesus uh, five different times in his life. The man, Jesus, standing right in front of him, talked to him five different times in his life. And Jesus is standing right there in front of him, talking to him. And all of a sudden, he said that this little demon monkey-looking thing came right down in between the two of them and just started chattering, and, and he couldn't hear anything Jesus was saying. Jesus just on the other side talking. He said there was kind of like this smoky fog that came up, and he couldn't even see Jesus at one point. And he kept asking Jesus, Jesus, get rid of this thing. What's going on? Jesus, what? I, I can't hear anything you're saying. Get rid of this demon thing. It's, I can't even hear what you're saying. I can't see you. Do something about this. What's going on, Jesus? You're all powerful, Jesus. Do something about it. Finally, he got so sick and tired of it that he pointed at it and said, in the name of Jesus, I cast you and I rebuke you out. And the thing dropped to the floor. Jesus looked at him and said, if you hadn't said anything, I couldn't have done anything about it. That's our lives, folks. That's our lives as believers. This is the lifestyle. If you're waiting for Jesus to do something, let me remind you, he's sitting down. He is sitting down. When he came off of that cross, he said, it is finished. He didn't say, all right, now the work's just begun. He said, I'm done. I've done my part. I spent three years with you and I showed you how to walk in dominion, how to walk in authority, how to tell storms to stop, how to uh, raise up dead people, how to cast out demons, how to walk on water, how to turn water into water. I showed you how to do these things. Now I'm going to my heavenly father and I'm sitting down. And I have all authority in heaven and on earth, but I'm not going to do anything with it. I'm giving it to you. So you rule, you control, you have authority, you have power, you have dominion. You're in control now. Quit asking me to do it. Everything that you need, he's already provided it. We already saw in Ephesians chapter 1, he's given you every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? Why aren't we taking this dominion? Because we're in disobedience. Because we're not walking in the obedience to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords. We are not operating in submission to the Father. But the second you submit to him is the second that you resist the devil. And he has to flee. He has to go. And he may come back, but if he finds you submitted to the King... He can't do anything about it because you're resisting and you're resisting and you're resisting and you're not handing over authority any longer. You're not giving it away. You're not giving someone else access. It's time that we quit giving away 
our authority that's been given to us. It's time that we quit giving the keys to someone and giving them access to our house and then wondering why they keep coming in and taking everything. No, let's get the key back into our possession. And then when they show up, say, uh, you don't have any authority here. You're not authorized to have control here. See you later. It's time that we get that submission back. Adam and Eve lost their authority because they gave up submission. They submitted to the enemy. So we need to get submitted to God. Amen? Father, we thank you for this word. Father, I thank you that you help us get this to sink down in our spirits, uh, that this wouldn't be a word that is stolen, that this wouldn't be a word that's taken out of our hearts, that this wouldn't be a word that becomes uprooted, but this is a word that we uh, uh, get implanted into our spirits, that we understand it, that we gain understanding, that we gain wisdom. Father, I thank you that your spirit will be speaking to us as we continue to meditate up this, meditate over this, that it will show us, your Holy Spirit will show us what is being said. This won't be going in one ear and out the other, but this will be something that we operate in on a daily basis. We live in. We quit giving the, the enemy authority over our lives, control in our homes, control in our children, control in our jobs, control in our finances, control in our health. We, we, we put all that down right now. We submit to your authority, and we resist the devil, and he has to flee in Jesus' name. Amen.